the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KDLAblack.com. The views and opinions. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader. 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black in your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more, love, power, relationships, retirement. What's it going to look like for you? I'm saddened to report most Americans don't save nearly enough for retirement and it's going to get worse. If you continue to think, expect things to get more expensive, it's going to get worse. Maybe one of the things you do now is invest in a motorhome. Motor in! Or you invest in a trailer park. Trailer park! You need to have a plan for retirement other than wait. Otherwise, you're going to be lost in America with nowhere to go. I can assure you that even me, my mother, Mother Black, sits at home and watches television. She's a shut-in because of poor health. That does not evangelize me to say, keep your health up. I did something silly today while waiting for the elevator. Instead of taking the stairs, I was like, stairs sound like so much work. So what I did was I kicked my legs out left and right, kind of like jumping jacks. But I alternated them to see how many I could do. And let's just say I was tired after 15. Like what most women can do in 15 seconds of a yoga class or an aerobics class, uh-uh. I need to work on that. I'm not going to say that's one of my 2013, you know, got to do pledges to America, pledge to myself, resolutions. No. I'm going to say there's parts of my body that I am not. I can run seven miles. I can't flare my hips 15 times in 15 seconds. I can bench press at least 40 pounds twice. I can bench press a little bit more than that, but you get the idea. And I don't have to be all big and bulky, but I do have to get into better shape. Flicking milk duds at the television to change the channel doesn't count, although I am a god at milk dud flicking. Last time I had milk duds must have been many, many, many years ago, but holy mackerel. At one point in your life when you're a child, life is good. You're like, oh, candy. Oh, the best candy ever. So you're saying you got nothing to talk about today. Of course I do. Beware. Yeah, it's March. I got an email from someone saying, and it says, financial.loan at consultant.com. We offer loans of different categories at 3%, such as long-term loans, middle-term loans, and short-term loans. We help in the acquisition of company estate loans, housing loans, business loans, and other personal financial issues related to loan. The amount of grammar, grammatical mistakes is, is exponential. It gets worse as you read on. 
But the point being is, isn't that email like really plain to every person on the planet? Like real estate loans, company loans, business loans. Yes, I would like a business loan. I've got this idea of starting a company. Short-term loans, middle-term loans, middle-term loans. Like right there, like that's eh, eh. Put, put up the big old X on that one and say, what are you doing there, guys? So this is clearly a scam. Be, qu- be questionable. I mean, honestly, our Congress sits there and they, they hedge and they haw and they, they come up with like, we're going to make a bill and we're going to put in it that I'm out of Cuba doesn't get taxed. Or not, not Puerto Rico. Excuse me. We're going to make a bill and make sure that rum out of Puerto Rico doesn't get taxed. Like, clearly someone's getting free rum for life. But the point being is, don't you wish Congress would do things to actually protect Americans? Like, some of these spam things. Make it long-term prison sentences. Put part of the FBI or the CIA in charge of digital, digital crimes. And even the appearance of scamming should be punished. Right? Let's take a look at the airlines and, and see what they've done with their ridiculousness of bags and fees. And Again, let's just make it so that all Americans know what the hell they're signing up for when they fly. Because you know what? I don't want to be next to the guy who's pissed off. You know what? I'm okay with the extra fees and what have you. But let's start simplifying some of our processes. We've tried to do it with mortgages. It used to be when you got to sign a mortgage. Do you know what a mortgage is being signed? It's like, it's horrific. It used to be even more horrific. I used to hire attorneys to sign for me because I was like, what am I signing? Okay. 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 And the mortgage loan officer has like literally four or five inches of papers in front of them. And by the end of it, you're like, you're signing Elvis Presley. You're signing, you know, George Harrison, John Lennon, the forgotten Beatle, the one that no one really knows about. You're just making stuff up. Which, for the record, one of the things I like to do when I walk my dog, amazing little underdog, there's a little league baseball field that I walk my dog at. There's always little baseballs left on the field. I always sign it, Robert Black. <laughs> Just so maybe one kid picks it up and goes, ooh, I got a Robert Blackside baseball. Try it. Just pick him up, sign it, Elvis Presley, put it back down. You'll make some kid's day. It's like whenever I check into a hotel, one of the things I do is when I leave, I write on the on the, uh, the message, the shower message, you know, when the, it steams up. I am always write something like, watching you, or John. So the next guy who rents that hotel room and steams up the shower, he'll think there's a ghost or something, right? Right? Totally makes his day. He goes home and he tells his wife that he thinks there's ghosts. She starts to question his sanity. She leaves him. More women in the, how shall we say, the talent pool, the gene pool. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. The fight over the debt limit escalates. Or, as I like to say, escalades. The SP 500 down three, the Dow down 18, the NASDAQ down 18, the 10 year Treasury to 1.8%. Gold finger. Which, let's face it, if you're going to have a bad guy, let's have part of his body be gold. 
I would prefer the head, but Goldfinger's fine as well. Oil sits at $94 a barrel. Lululemon. Lululemon. Tumbling. Tumbling, stumbling, bumbling. Um, down 7%. Down five buckaroos. Okay. So how do you look at this stock? In the last year, it's gone from 60 to 67. Or it's gone from 60 to 80. 80 to 55. 55 to 75. 75 to 66. So in one year, you see roller coaster up, roller coaster down. Roller coaster up. Roller coaster down. Roller coaster kind of up. Roller coaster kind of down. Is that too much for you? Like, you need to learn what type of investor you are. Little Lamont likes amazing, unbelievable, sexy. Clothes for women who happen to do yoga and other things. But Gap saw that concept and said, you know what? We'll open Athleta. So what once was Lululemon high-end, someone come in, has come in and copied, making them a little less unique. They've always had a high PE, so any misstep equals pain. What do I predict? Pain. Ford PE of 30 times the market. Let's see. Test one, two, one, two, one, two. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. What's in your financial playbook? Whether you're just starting out on the 20-yard line or driving toward the end zone, your chances of success depend on a solid game plan. Join Rob Black on February 2nd for back-to-back seminars on wealth management and wealth accumulation. From 9 a.m. till noon, it's wealth preservation and retirement planning with CFP Chad Burton. Learn tax reduction strategies, estate planning tips, how to reduce risk by diversifying, and how to pull money out of the markets in retirement. Rob and Chad will discuss the economic outlook, portfolio structure, asset allocation, and more. At 1 p.m., it's Money 101 with the focus on wealth accumulation. Rob will cover everything from insurance, 401ks, IRAs, asset allocation, good debt and bad debt, and more. Learn hints, tips, and tricks, and see how eliminating common mistakes can make a huge difference. Bring your portfolio and your questions to the Embassy Suites Hotel in Walnut Creek on February 2nd. Wealth preservation from 9 to noon, wealth accumulation from 1 to 4. Register today at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. It's another Black Wednesday. Join us for Off the Cuff with Rob Black and Friends. A co-host casual networking mix where you can mingle with top professionals in the world of money and business. Some of Rob's friends include respected pros in the fields of real estate, investing, money managers, entrepreneurs, techies, and more. Black Wednesday at Vista Rocca Park inside the Lafayette Park Hotel and Spa, 3287 Mount Diablo Boulevard in Lafayette. We'll see you Wednesday, February 6th at 5 p.m. Black Wednesday, Off the Cuff with Rob Black and Friends from AM 1220 KDO. These are the official 1220 KDOW contest rules. Our 20 KDOW. Welcome back again, Rob Black and Your Money. Ford dropped a F-150 pickup on the Detroit show. It's got an Atlas concept, so to speak. Um, it's more aerodynamic, but get this, it's 700 pounds lighter, basically aluminum versus steel. On a lot of the parts. Not all, but a lot. Wow. Um, I don't... Is that enough? I mean, certainly for people like me who are kind of sheepish, not very masculine, our testosterone levels kind of level off as we watch Mad Men and sip on martinis. 
uh, you know, we're not exactly blue collar through and through, but we have fantasies of one day, you know, uh, chopping wood or paying someone to chop wood. That's the car for me. But I don't know if it's the car for the truck guy who currently has a truck. You know, a man's truck. Walmart pledges to hire 100,000 veterans. I think a lot of veterans will say, I'd rather stay in Afghanistan than work at Walmart as a door check-in or inner. Oh, let me try that again. This is called a do-over. Walmart pledges to hire 100,000 veterans. Man, I bet a lot of veterans are going to stay. I'd rather stay in Afghanistan and get shot at than work at Walmart as a door greeter. Wait, 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 one more time. Where's my rim shot? Walmart today pledges to hire 100,000 veterans returning from war. Man, I could already hear 100,000 veterans saying I'd rather stay in Afghanistan and get shot at than become a door greeter at Walmart. Thank you very much. See, it's all about the rim shot. I know you're saying, you're starting to sound like Lindsay Lohan. you got that scratchy voice going. SP 500 down three, the Dow down 18, the NASDAQ down 18. Welcome in, CFP, Chad Burton, NewFocusFinancial.com. One of the things that intimidates people about money is there's a lot of things that just doesn't you know, translate to RABCs, like ESPPs and RSUs. What is an ESPP? Why do we care? What is an RSU? Why do we care? It reminds me, I was up on the mountain, um, you know, back in, I don't know, February or something like that, and somebody had to stop skiing and pull over on their cell phone and exercise some of their Wells Fargo options because they were expiring that day. Awesome. And they were sitting on the mountain and got an email saying, your options are about to expire. And it was about a $6,000 value, net of taxes, that they almost lost because they let their options expire. So a lot of people that work for companies that have, you know, they get the 401k match, great. But then you get the options that have expirations dates, incentive stock options that have different tax strategies. But let's talk about employee stock purchase plans and and RSUs, which is the most common. So in the employee stock purchase plan, when you're working for a company, you get two periods a year where you can buy your own company stock at a discount. Okay? But they have different tax strategies, too. And, and what I can't understand is why people don't, you know, they, they get too overweighted in an old company stodgy stock. Because they're always doing the SPPs, which I like, because you get the discount. Okay. But What's the di- discount typically? 10? Typically 10 to 15%. Okay. And so, but if you want to have most of your gain on the stock qualify for capital gains, you usually have to hold them for at least two years after the offering date. Okay. okay. Um, so what I tell people is once you've bought them two years later, you know, look, if you're, if you're already own, if 5% of your portfolio and you're in your fifties is in your company stock, you need to, as they become two years old, sell them and reinvest them. Right. And remember, if you're way overweight in your company, you're, you're stock, talking really fast. Okay. Two year. If once the stock becomes two years old, okay. like you've bought it and you've held it for over two years and you're in your 50s and you own over 5% of your overall portfolios in the company stock that you work for, you need to start trimming those ESPP okay, shares. Right. Okay. But you want to make sure they're over two years old to qualify for the overall capital gains rates. There's, there's really an 18-month rule and all this other stuff that I'm not going to get into on radio. But the discount and how that's taxed and then the, the capital gain and how that's taxed, just hold it for two years. Okay. Start diversifying. Every year you should look at your stock options, and if the market has fallen and you've got ESPP shares at a loss – you're probably going to want to sell them to take the loss and offset other gains in the future. Okay? Okay. Um, so what selling... What's interesting to note about that is I think a lot of people accumulate a lot of wealth like through AT&T. Mm-hmm. They worked there. They got the company shares. They became millionaires. And it's almost ingrained in our society not to diversify. Yeah. But then WorldCom and Enron come along. You know, WorldCom bought a couple baby bells. 
and they implode. Yeah. Next thing you know. So it's it's ingrained in us, but it's not necessarily trained properly. Yeah. So it's, you know, I can see if you're younger and you're working for a, a company that's aggressively growing and they're, they're, you know, really doing well in the stock market, while you end up being, you know, 10% of your portfolios in the company stock. It can make sense when you're younger. You can't afford that type of risk when you're close to retirement. So you have to diversify. Um, you also don't want to overpay your taxes because you get that company discount, Rob, that's going to be taxes, ordinary income when you sell. Oh, and sometimes killer. people are paying taxes on that discount twice, once when you know they get taxed on it. it. Long story short, there's a form called a 3922. So if you have employee stock purchase program, you got to know your form 3922 so you don't end up paying taxes twice on that discount. Would you say that most purchase. people who use ESPP should probably use a CPA? Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, I know the tax code really well, and I still use a CPA to prepare my tax return because if I'm audited, if I'm audited, I know I'm not going to do well sitting in the room with, with the IRS if a certain point comes up, you know, because I can't stand our current tax code. They know how to discuss the issue with the IRS. I would just get angry. <laughs> I still badly want you on Jeopardy and the, the, the heading comes up tax code <laughs> because you're like, I know tax code. <laughs> Form 3522. Okay, um, 3922. 3922, trust me. I don't know the tax code. I don't pretend to know the tax code. You're a nerd. I'm not. <laughs> Let's just say this. Playboy model. It happened in my life, not yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else do we need to do? RSUs, did we t- hit that? Do we need to hit that? Well, RSUs is one of those things, too, when you already own a bunch of your company stock. RSUs, restricted share units, restricted <laughs> stock units. You're granted a bunch of units, and... As they vest, they become taxable based on the value of the stock that day. There is absolutely no tax reason to continue to hold those after that point. So if you are, if, you know, unless you think your company is just going to go through the roof and you own less than 10% of your portfolio in that company, as those RSUs come due, they're taxed. They're already taxed. So sell them and reinvest them in a diversified portfolio. Uh, and that's one thing that people just fail to do. They continue to hold and hold and hold and uh, you need to do a good job tracking your cost basis on those as well. Okay. Anything else that we need to know, or should we wrap it up here? Um, again, it's you know if you're getting close to retirement, having more than five to ten percent of your company, your portfolio in your own company stock is just too much risk. And again, a lot of people don't want to hear that because they feel comfortable where they are and they feel like they're not being loyal if they do sell their own company shares. Don't feel that way. You're listening to CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm looking for some emails that I can read on television today as well as on radio. So if you have an email question, drop it to me right here, right now, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. You cannot ask the ridiculously obvious, why are you so good looking? What gene pool did you come from? Is your mother an alien goddess? Ask something along the lines of financial. And the answer to this on all those questions is yes. Each calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Elvis needs boats. He's accumulating boats. I need emails or phone calls. Rob at robblack.com or 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I got three fascinating stories lined up that will wow you. Rob Black, your money on the Wall Street Business Network.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, much more. Taking a look at the stock market today. We saw a retail sales more firm. They're up. But consumers are still feeling a little, eh. In a few hours, we're going to learn about the fortunes of Fort's Facebook. Everyone seems to be lining up that it has something to do with search. Have you been on Facebook and typed in an ex-lover's name? An old high school friend's name? I have. Got an email or a Facebook post from Margaret last night. She was my high school kind of like trio. Me, Brian, and Margaret hung out a lot. She got married, had twins. It's about as far as I care to know. I didn't really need to stay in touch with her in college or the post years after college. I find Facebook to be referred to as Facebutt. I'm wasting a buttload of time. So I don't really do it. I do it on a business level in case you want to get in touch with me. Like, for instance, right now I can go and see has anyone emailed me at my Facebook account since I recently said, hey, drop me an email. I could use it for the show. I got one from some guy in Somalia who is clearly trying to uh, part me from my money. (laughs) So, no, Facebook not working on that level today. So let's go to the old Facebook, by the way, uh, Cron4, Rob Black, Cron4, Rob Black, if you want to send me a message or an email there that you want me to answer on the air. So I take a look at my email, rob at robblack.com. Anyone there asking me anything breaking or important? No, no. My boss says he'll put some extra commercials and rotation for the seminars coming up. I got a Black Wednesday coming up, uh, first Wednesday of February, which happens to fall on the 6th. I have some seminars coming up on the 2nd in East Bay. Seminars on wealth preservation, retirement planning. More information at robblack.com, robblack.com. And more information about that Black Wednesday at kdow.biz. Okay, so no emails, no Facebook, no phone calls. Phone lines are open, right? 800-516-1220. 800 Yep, absolutely open. Um, okay, yesterday on Twitter, someone sent me something, and I don't know if you saw this, and I thought it was kind of funny, but uh, Suze Orman got slammed. She's getting slammed in a new book. And I think that's kind of cute, you know? Yeah. Susie Orman does, um, Jim Cramer does, Dave Ramsey does, and basically says these are bad people to take advice from, and that the little that they give you ultimately hurts you. And I agree. So there's a new book out there. It's called Pound Foolish. And I highly recommend everyone read it. I ordered a copy of it. I'll probably get the author on to talk about it. Helena Lynn. Of course, she's selling a book, right? So she's got an interest in it. Pound Foolish, Exposing the Dark Side of Personal Finance Industry. 
And there is a problem with the down, with the industry. There's people who say they've got your best interest, and what they have is their own interest. I mean, that even applies to me. That applies to everyone. Helena alone, she goes on to talk about how the industry set up to say, like, we can beat the market, but you can't. And what her conclusion is, is that you should go index funds. Maybe add a little bit of spice of some individual stocks that you feel comfortable with, but not that you feel like you're hoping to work out. Sue Orman, Dave Ramsey, Robert Kiyosaki, David Bach. They're just some of the best-known personal finance experts advising and lecturing indebted Americans about their foolish and short-sighted money decisions. Olan says these financial gurus offer either platitudes or dreadful advice that don't apply to most people's lives in any way or shape or form. The idea that anyone can give specific advice to millions of people doesn't work. We're not archetypes, and I agree with that. Some of them hide behind the freedom of speech. Some of them hide behind consultant broker advisor, particularly actually on stocks mentioned. I tried to teach you how to fish. I tried to teach you the basics. I don't go much further than that. Like when I say pay off all debt over 8%, that applies to every American. When I say I own shares of Visa or I own shares of Apple, I'm telling you the truth. And then also I'll say things like, you know what? I've got a big gain in it. I don't really care. I'm not very emotional. I'm not stressed. I was up 30% last year, 29% the year before. I'm not going to judge my performance this year on 15 days. I don't do that. But the author of the book, and I highly recommend you get this for all your loved ones, Pound Foolish, Exposing the Dark Side of Personal Finance Industry, Helene Olin. She goes on to say the stats that or most Americans are under serious financial strain, and the advice parroted by these so-called experts is easier said than done. She then goes to say outlets like CNBC who puts them on and lets their, and lets their words become gospel is hurting Americans. And then when the market crashes, they blame the media outlets. The stats that she used to paint the economic picture of a typical American are alarming. Americans have less than $100,000 saved in dedicated retirement accounts. 43% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Salaries have stagnated now for the last 10 years. Net worth has fallen 40% from 2007 to 2010. Moreover, people don't rack up thousands of dollars in credit cards because they buy too much, she says. Unexpected and costly medical emergencies, divorce, or long bouts of unemployment are the main reasons people find themselves in debt. Ending such indulgences as daily Starbucks lattes as recommended by David Bach or buying one or two or three homes with zero down are exactly the same admin, uh, admonitions, 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 um, it's a tough word for me, are the exactly um, the worst ideas that have steered Americans in the wrong direction and provided false hope. You need to do a lot more than save one latte a day. Yeah, you do need to look at your spending because there may be a big hole there. I've got a friend who jumps from guy to guy to guy who hopes she marries, they marry her. She's looking for a provider. And what's funny is she's pushing 30. 
She's got a six-figure job. He's got a six-figure job. When she has a baby in the Bay Area, she goes to poverty. Babies are a big money drain, and one income ain't enough. So the author, and for the record, Robert Kiyosaki is probably the most evil man on the planet as far as financial advice goes. He's really about selling seminars. He's really about selling books. The whole idea of buying leverage, it's a wonderful concept in the good. It kills you in the bad. It can even kill you in the good. Trust me, I've got a renter who I couldn't stand. It's other people's money. Play with other people's money. But you also have to play with other people. Kiyosaki's an idiot. Ramsey's an idiot. Orman, I just think she's naive. David Bach, ah. The author takes particular umbrage that an assertion that an individual can become a millionaire by putting all of one's savings in the stock market is the wrong idea. Suze Orman has promoted the suggestion on CNBC in numerous books. Even though she has only 1% in the stock market, most of her money is in the safety of municipal bonds because she gets paid a high salary as a media person. Olin disagrees with the overall message promoted by personal finance experts. Americans should pay off high-interest credit cards and reduce their overall debt burden. She insists that there's no one-size-fits-all solution. Look, any debt over 8%, it's tough to replicate in the stock market or the housing market. I'm not going to agree with everything she says. I don't think all your money should be in the stock market. I don't think all your money should be in the bond market. I know all your money should be in cash. And I know you know better than to have leveraged real estate other than your home. You should have your home that's got a 30-year mortgage on it. And then you should consider a real estate investment trust, publicly traded, not private. Private is, is, is speculative. It's venture capital. It is not for the average person. It is for a salesperson to make a big commission because he's finding money for someone else to go out and invest it. But most people should own real estate through REITs, publicly traded REITs. You can get 100 shares of office buildings in San Francisco and New York. And that's it. You don't have more mortgage money. You don't have to wait for the money to come back to you. You own it. You own 100 shares. Everyone should get this book. I haven't read it. I know that she takes shots at people. And I know that's dangerous. Do you think CNBC will ever interview her? Probably not. Helene Olant, last name O-L-E-N, pound foolish, exposing the dark side of personal finance industry. It is an industry where we make ourselves look smarter than you so that you can become our clients, so that you can buy our stuff, so you can idolize us, so that you, we can become your guru. Like, Susie Orman has a car commercial for a new car. That's endorsement money that she's getting. And yet, no one in the financial planning world would ever say a new car is the way to go. Ever. It's a bad spend of money. Email me, Rob, at robblack.com. Call me, 800-516-1220. This is Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. The equity markets here in the U.S., we actually have a uh, station. Don't you love finding something in the bottom of your bag that you forgot was there? It would be a candy bar. 
or an energy drink that you've forgotten about? It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Look, I'm not trying to be a pariah. I can't even spell pariah. I assume all pariahs live in Indonesia or up on the mountaintops of the Himalayas. I can't even find the Himalayas. What I tried to do with this show is to get you a little bit more money savvy. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you smarter. I'm trying to get you wiser. I pride myself on that. You know, I talked yesterday to a woman who's in her late 50s. Her husband is 75. He's a firefighter. She doesn't really work at this point in time, but she's going to get his pension. His health is not good. So she's in her late 50s, okay? She's about to inherit a pension that will roughly pay $60,000 a year. She owns a home outright. She wants to stay in that home. It's a good asset. It's worth over a million and a half dollars. She also has a duplex that is a rental that pulls in about $2,000 a month, $24,000 a year of income. It's a lot of work. The house that she lives in, the house that she's, the duplex that she's renting. The duplex is worth well over a million. So it's pulling in less than 2%. It's got $300,000, uh, $150,000 in a 401k, $150,000 in a CD. I'm not going to mention her name, and no one knows who she is, so I'm not breaking any confidence. But she's in trouble, in my opinion, in the sense that she doesn't know what to do. She is not in trouble in the sense of she actually has a lot of assets. So not in 401K and pension. No, no, not in 401K and CD. That's 300000 She's got a lot of assets in real estate, which creates a profile that she's got too much risk in real estate, especially California real estate. It's a blessing and a curse. She's one earthquake away from regretting that exposure. She's a prolonged slump in the economy from regretting that exposure. So working on some ideas with her, you have to start with, okay, conservatively. You could ultimately one day do a reverse mortgage on your home, and that pension will be good till the day you die. Good. Positives. Check, 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 right? So she could probably pull in $70,000, $80,000 a year, and that's getting close to what she has, but there's really not a lot of emergency money. So my advice would be to look at that $1.2 million after her partner passes. There's a step up in basis, and look to potentially let that asset go because the $1.2 million duplex is only pulling in about a 2% return. I'd rather her park it in an income-producing portfolio Potentially some municipal bonds that yield 2% because then the real rate of return is 3%. I think she's got options, but she also has decisions. She listens to a lot of radio and television. She kind of wants to do it herself. She kind of doesn't want to do it herself. She kind of thinks like, oh, I heard this day trader. I'm going to buy his day trading magazine, and then she doesn't do anything with it. I'm like, how's it working out for you? She goes, I don't know. So she just spent money on something she doesn't even use. What's your budget look like? Ah, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Like, 
That has to get under control. In the last five years of your life, you need to know what your spending is. In the first 25 years of your career, you need to have a concept that you're not spending way more than you're making. And usually saving more than you're making. So there's all types of investors out there. And she's got options, but she also has decisions that she has to take. She's created opportunity. Now it's time to take the decision. Now, that's one of my listeners. Here's another one. 28, 29-year-old who had a fiancé last year that things didn't work out with because she gave him $30,000 when he graduated college, gave him another $30,000 because he got into more credit card debt. He was a spender. She was a saver. Her biological clock is ticking. So she basically jumped off that lily pad onto another lily pad. Figured out that lily pad wasn't going to work, so she jumped onto another one. Now, unfortunately, she jumped onto one that about equal pay, $100,000 each, $100,000 each. If she wants to have that biological baby, it ain't going to be in the Bay Area, or it's going to be in poverty. You can't support one child on $100,000 in the Bay Area. Not easily. Not unless you really downsize your life. You're definitely not saving for retirement. You're definitely not saving for college. And you're one job loss away from true poverty. You know, we have all sorts of different types of listeners. Then I got the listener this year who's been following me for 10 years. So, like, that last person, she probably shouldn't, she should probably say, I'm not going to have kids or I should move to another area. If I love this man, I need to move to Denver to have kids. You know, last year I got an email from a woman who's got three kids, two from a previous marriage, one from a new marriage. And her husband makes $60,000 a year and $70,000 a year now that he got a new job. I was like, y'all have to increase your income. You probably have to go back to work. She didn't want to. They're never going to pay for their kids' college, and they're never going to get to retirement. They're going to live with their parents, or they're going to you know, hope for the best, and it ain't going to be the best. Got another email from a woman who's 35 years old this year, Gabby. Last year, her apartment burned down. She has apartment insurance, so she's okay. Renter's insurance. But it was a massive time waste. She saved over $400,000 in the last 10 years just by maxing out her 401k and watching her spending. She's got enough to buy a house, but the housing market's outbidding her right now. She should start thinking about buying a house where she wants to retire and just, heck, rent in the Bay Area. We're all different investors. We're all different listeners. We all have different perspectives. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Find me on Facebook, fan page, cron4robblack, or group page, I Hate Rob Black. Twitter, Rob Black Show. Hey, Del. Hi, this is Rob Black on my radio. Get in the zone. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in to Rob Black and Your Money. I am the aforementioned Rob Black. I want to say thank you, as I refer to it, a huge boatload for listening to the show. I appreciate the effort that it takes to try to get through the infotainment and learn a financial lesson or two. I promise this first segment I'm going to throw a lot at you. I promise every show I'm going to throw a lot at you. And some days are going to be better than others, and some days are going to be more relatable than others. I know we just turned on the hour in Seattle, so they didn't hear the last segment. But the last segment, whatever four emails that I've gotten, or four relationships that I've had in the last year. One with a 58-year-old woman whose husband's 75. 
She's going to inherit a pension, $300,000 liquid, a house that's almost paid off, a rental that's underperforming as far as cash flow. I had advice for her. Last year, uh, I got in touch with a woman under 30 who had a fiancé that he liked to watch in Jersey Shore. She lent him money out of college to pay off his college debt. He got engaged to her at Disneyland, which, what man gets engaged at Disneyland? Seriously. I know it's the world's happiest place, but if you're ever in the parking lot at 8 o'clock at night, it's the world's saddest place on earth. All the kids are screaming and crying. He then proceeds to get into more debt. And she dumped him. She wants to have kids. But then she went on to date another guy who basically is very similar and not realizing the mathematics of the situation. Kids are expensive. Kids are not cheap. I'm not saying don't have kids. I'm just saying know what you're getting into, financially speaking. It can be pretty intimidating. Other things to think about, other thoughts, other prayers, other ideas. I got an email from a woman last year who said her apartment burned down, but she had a renter's insurance because we talked about it on the show. So she's mostly okay. She was massively inconvenienced. But anything, we're all different. So you can't take advice from Susie Orman or Jim Cramer, Dave Ramsey, who just throw out a lot of, you know, here's specific what you should do, even though we're all different. You have to build some mantras. You have to build some things that you believe in. You have to learn that you have to study the markets. It's not fun. It's not sexy. You know, Dell getting bought out. Or taken private. Who cares? Dell was a story in the 1980s. Got to have a Dell, dude. It was a story in the 1990s as computers were growing. It's not a story today. Apple reportedly cutting iPhone 5 supply orders. We've known that story since early December. It's just getting rehashed at this point in time. Obama imploring Congress to raise the debt ceiling. And yet the market continues to like kind of trade higher. No one's freaked out right now. Keep in mind, last year, at the end of the year, we had the fiscal cliff. And a lot of people wanted to sell in front of the fiscal cliff, only to see the markets rally 10%. Whoops. Don't try to bet or lean one way. Play the game right. If you want a little more defense, get some more defense. If you want some utilities, that's fine. If you want to see what's working right now, it's, it's the home builders and the automakers. That's a, a no-brainer. It's the biggest no-brainer since... Well, it's the biggest no-brainer of all time. Or since sliced bread or something. Anyway, you get my point. Um, or maybe you don't get my point. People make this so much more difficult than it needs to be. We are in a seismic shift in consumer behavior, and I love it. I think investors need to you know, sober up in the short term and say, you know, this is going to be interesting. Germany's GDP contracted in the fourth quarter. Several revenue and earnings warnings out of the retail sector this year, this quarter. Fitch says they could downgrade the U.S. credit rating if the fiscal cliff or the fiscal pothole isn't addressed. Lennar had a 42% rise in, in revenue. Sweet! I will never do that again. I'm sorry. Inflation remains subdued. I almost just made up a word, inflation. Retail sales was pretty interesting, better than expected. 
If you exclude autos, they're up three-tenths of a percent. Appliance stores down six-tenths of a percent. But I had a big November, so it kind of blends in. Gas stations down on falling gas prices. That's kind of a bogus. Because we know it ain't going to stay cheap forever. So as an investor, you need to come up with some simple things. You need to listen to people like me. You need to hire people that you trust, not people that push you. You know, the world's biggest challenges deserve bigger solutions, in my opinion. Is that the right way of looking at this, or is that the wrong way of looking at this? What investors do today, you have it eight five-year periods from age 20 to 60 to accumulate wealth. And then after that, you're done. You have to manage it at least at that point, maybe a little bit earlier. Good investing is boring. If investing was entertaining, you'd have fun, and we'd do it at parties, and it would end in like, hey, baby. They went, I'll never use that phrase again. It would end in, in like, hey, uh, I had a lot of fun tonight. Let's do this again. You want to come to my house for breakfast? Good investing is boring. Investing is more about selecting the asset. Smart investing does not consist of good buying, but of buying assets well. This is a very, very important distinction that very few people understand. Another thing you need to learn on the basics is losses are a reality. I was talking to a woman yesterday who was 58 years old and she doesn't want to lose money. If you have troubles with the market going down 10, 20%, you shouldn't be investing in stocks. Never join the herd. The people who bought Apple at 700 joined the herd late, and they will be basically Darwinian wood chip. The public buys the most at the top and the least at the bottom. Try to be different. Recognize your advantage over professionals. Professionals have to deal with career and business risk, protecting your own job as an agent. The professional has the curse of investing over management. They can't do things simply. They can't just say, here's my 5 to 10, 15 stocks, and if one of them falls, maybe I'll let it go, maybe I'll buy more. There's no relationships or equations that always work. It doesn't happen that way. Quantitatively based solutions and asset allocation equations invariably fail. They're designed to have captured what would have worked in previous cycles, where previous cycles don't always work. They don't always play out the same exact way. Beware of forecasts. Living on the uh, West Coast, man, I thought this was going to be a nice dry, oh, it's a soaker. I thought the weather was going to be in the 50s. Oh, it's 30 degrees. So beware of forecasts. It's absurd to think that you can make money out of market forecasts. It's absurd. Be greedy when others are fearful. That's a Warren Buffettism. Investors should remember that excitement and expenses are the enemies. If you insist on trying to time participation in equities, you should try to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. That's the only way to market time. Hey, everybody. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can find me on Facebook, either the group page, I Hate Rob Black, or the Facebook fan page, Cron for Rob Black, K-R-O-N for Rob Black. I do a lot of video and audio work. 
can follow me also at Rock. NASDAQ is down 0.5%. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. You know, I was just going over some. Basic tenets of investing. Invest for the long run. If your time frame is under five years, don't invest. Average long-term experience in investing is never surprising. But the short-term experience always is surprising. If you take a look at McDonald's, if you take a look at Visa, if you take a look at AT&T, if you take a look at Nike, if you take a look at IBM, if you take a look at Tiffany's, if you take a look at so many great companies, how do they do over time? Now, again, not all of them. HP didn't work out, but HP also hit... Technology, which is always smaller, faster, cheaper. I don't own tech companies. I rent them. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. To get your calls on the air. Questions welcome at rob at robblack.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show. If you want to tweet me a question. And or you can put up the signal. The Rob Black signal. And I will come to you. The SP 500 loser today. Loser, I tell you. It's down three points. It's having a good year, bad day. Dow down 24, NASDAQ down 17. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. He's our house financial planner for Rob Black and your money. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. A lot of the questions that I get, Chad, on a regular basis are people who are trying to get the best stock, the best return on stocks, trying to beat the markets trying to get yields for their cash that's higher than, you know, 0 to 1%, trying to chase performance. Let's talk about chasing performance, chasing yield. Mm -hmm. Uh, Typically, I I tend to say that anything over 6% is going to start getting dangerous on you as far as income-oriented investing. Well, it's more than that now. So, I mean, if you're looking at some of the ETNs um, or ETFs that are in the muni bond area and they're yielding over 4%, likely they're leveraged, meaning they're borrowing money somewhere to buy even more so they can keep the yield up. So if you have any kind of a credit situation, let's say um, you know budget deficits of California get worse or uh, Spain and Italy become the next Greece, which looks like it could very well happen, um, and you have some sort of credit event, you could see those funds lose 10 to 15%. Um, High-yield bonds, you know, the... Those are really considered the other alternative name for high yield bond is junk bond. They're right. lower credit ratings, and again, you can see those move just like stocks in value. I bought a lot of high yield stuff in convertible bonds in early 2009 that had 30 percent returns, and then I sold them. Um, still own actually a little bit now uh, because most funds to keep their interest rates above four percent own high yield and foreign bonds and some common stocks now. So um, you know people's portfolios are more have a higher beta now than they think. And we've seen entire firms you know, brought down like MF Global because they invested in Italian bonds a little bit too soon. Um, 
they're chasing performance. They're trying to stay ahead of the curve. Again, they went down for other reasons, but chasing yield can bring you down, and it can bring you down hard. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Franklin Templeton had one of the best foreign bond funds. They really stumbled in the first, the last part of 2011, uh, went into Irish bonds and things like that too early. So people stumble. And that's the other thing too, Rob. Really, people need to be very careful of when you go through a period of increasing interest rates. Yeah on being in really popular bond funds. Those are the funds where people cash out because they get scared, forcing the bond manager to sell bonds that they don't want to sell. You know, a lot of times if you hold the bond to maturity, you're going to end up being okay. But if your investors are dying for their money and you, you're forced to sell the bond at a loss, your NAV or your bond fund is going to fall. When do you think people should just say no to bond funds? Ever? Uh, <clears throat> well, if you're at a stable interest rate environment right. um, or rates are high and they look like they're coming down, Buy individual bonds and hold them to maturity. Um, Right now, I like the liquidity. We've de-risked our bond portfolio, though, to go to some really well-managed, much smaller funds, so we don't have to – and even less known funds, so we don't have to deal with that run on bonds if in 12 months, you know, interest rates start to rise. Um, I would like to buy individual bonds and hold them to maturity, but the level that I have to buy in that, there's so many bonds out there paying at a premium. So, in other words, you're going to pay – 103 to 105 dollars for a bond that's going to mature at 100 dollars in five years. Have you ever considered um, like a, a Ford bond or a GM bond? Because we we kind of assume those companies aren't going to go out of business. Yeah, but again, we're keeping an eye on our managers and make sure that they can get better prices than we can. Okay. You know what I mean? And an individual basis, and that's where you. Wait, wait. You said, do you know what I mean? And you looked at me like I know. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I have no clue what you just said there. Okay, so well, when an individual buys a bond right. from a market maker. Right. A lot of times you're paying a you know, premium for a bond, and if you're buying at such a small level, you're going to get a much worse price than a PIMCO or somebody else that's a market maker in those areas. You I know what I mean? I'm as big as PIMCO. No, you're not. as Well, you're a lot bigger than Bill Gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the selfie. You might, have, you might have 60 pounds on that guy. He's, he's, a, little, he's a little yoga guy. You, just went, from, himself backwards you just went from subtle to not very subtle. <laughs> he's a little yoga guy. You met him? It, well, no, I think it's well known that he does like two hours of yoga a day or something like that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So yeah. the only thing I can tell you about Bill Gross is that mustache just flips me out. When he has it, it flips me out. When he shaves it, it flips me out. Comes and goes. So anything else that we need to know about this topic on chasing yield? No, I think just people have to, you know, quarterly keep an eye on their bond funds and what's in them. Uh, a lot of bonds, funds that we own and were successful with, we had to sell because we were getting prospectuses saying they were going to start buying more common stocks. I've talked about this before, and I think this is going to be a theme through 2012. Um, and, uh, again, you look, I would rather own the individual bonds when interest rates are high and coming down. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm liking what my bond managers are doing in my funds. It's good stuff. It's CFP Chad Burton. CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, king of slack. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. One of the things that I'm, you know, been going over is some just things that are, are here. successful investors give us insights. Mark Twain. History does not repeat itself, but it does rhyme. I don't know what that means, but it's fair to say, like, I can't tell you how many people continue to expect these same old, same old stocks. To produce growth when hypergrowth becomes growth, growth becomes growth and in income. Income is the, the dead base. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
But that's the direction it goes. Another phrase is markets are irrational. This comes to us from uh, Isaac Newton. He said, I can calculate the movement of stars, but not the madness of men. An economy is simply supply and demand. A transaction is a simple thing because there's a lot of them. The economy looks more complex than it really is. Instead of looking at it from top down, you look at it from the transaction up, it's a lot easier to understand. You've got to know some basics of the economy. Good to take a break here. Drop your emails to me, rob at robblack.com. Twitter me, Rob Black Show. Facebook group page me, I Hate Rob Black, or Facebook fan me, Cron4, K-R-O-N, 4, Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Oh, I get so many emails from such trash financial publications that want me to spread the word. I try to protect you. I do my very, very best. But I know that some of you will listen to a radio show or a TV show and go, ooh, he sounds right on. Or he sounds my age. Kills me when I see that. You gotta watch out for the gurus. You gotta watch out for the scams. Got to prepare your home for winter. You got to say, hey, I'm going to wait for that turnaround to turn. I'm not going to invest early. Like Microsoft announced Windows 8. And I like the company enough on a balance sheet, on a valuation, on a PE. I like the company enough on a cash flow generator. But I won't buy into the Windows 8 till I see the Windows 8. And to me, that would be an increase in desktops or notebooks or phones. I'll... I'll Heck, I'll jump into the phone market. But I'm not going to jump into a small sample of data. If you go from selling 20,000 phones to 40,000, I'm not going to say, ooh, they doubled. In the world of phones, I'm going by the millions. A lot of things can happen instantly to change the way things work, and that's one of the biggest mistakes investors make. They don't eye crazy. I heard this morning on Bloomberg, a fantastic idea. Companies like HP, Apple, Microsoft are sitting on millions and billions of dollars. How do they repatriate that money that's overseas into the United States on a level that it wouldn't hurt them, but would actually help them. They're like, hey, we'll just keep the money there and buy foreign companies. And the United States government sits there and says, you know what? Uh, no. We want that 35% tax if you bring it back to the United States. But if they were to say... How about no tax? You bring back a billion dollars Apple, but you build a billion dollar factory with it. Or you bring back a billion dollars and you give 
500 million to shareholders and dividends and taxes or dividends and uh, buybacks and you put 500 billion dollars into a factory. American factories are actually pretty attractive right now, which is a weird thing to say. In large part because of cheap oil and gas. So our government should do the right thing and say, look, we don't want you investing in foreign factories because we want the jobs here. Now, we're not going to say no tax rate, bring it on back and do whatever you want with it, park it in treasuries. But if you say anything over $500 million we, we make a deal on, I'm totally good with that. Let's make a deal. And suddenly America's rocking, and suddenly job creation's there. Will our government do it? I don't know. Let's go to Gino in San Jose. Yeah, go ahead. You go ahead. You called me. Oh, okay. I don't know. How are you doing this morning, Ross? I'm okay at best. Uh, I wanted to uh, f- uh, find out about a little bit here about um, between the uh, Visa, I own Visa, um, and between Visa and MasterCard, uh, what are the two caveats between the two on here? I, I don't really do a compare and contrast. Uh-huh. Um, you want me to talk about Visa or you want me to talk about MasterCard? Visa. Okay. To me, I like Visa as more of a corporate big boy. I like MasterCard as more of an international opportunity. I like Square as a play on new commerce coming up. I would hope that Visa or MasterCard would buy them at some point in time. I like eBay's PayPal. There was a story out today about PayPal jumping into more in-store payment partners. Thanks for the call. PayPal announced today that it's nearly doubled its brick-and-mortar store lineup. Um, and that cuts the visas out of, the, out of it, potentially. You know, you set up a bank account with nah, your Bank of America. You set up an account with PayPal. They transfer the money. They get the transaction. The physical retailer gets a little bit, costs a little bit less for all parties involved. And it's 21st century. Google or Facebook will get into this. Apple will get into this. Transactions. I would imagine Verizon and AT&T want to get more into it. So PayPal said they're now in 23 stores, 18,000 physical stores. And they're not anything to slough at. JCPenney's, Jamba Juice, Home Depot, American Eagle, Barnes Noble, Abercrombie & Fitch, Radio Shack, Dollar General, Famous Footwear, Office Depot. They need to get into them all. I like transactions. I don't like cash. I think cash is dirty. Cash reminds me of my last girlfriend, Dirty. I know you're saying, da dunch. Okay, well, I didn't, I'm not getting my rim shots today. Visa is very expensive as far as the stock goes. It deserves to come back probably 30 points. I've talked about owning Visa for years and years and years and buying it on dips. I've talked about buying MasterCard for years and years and years. They're blue chip companies. I want to put all my money in them. They are not in any way, shape, or form banks. They don't have credit risk. They've got economic slowdown risk and competition risk. Visa, paper, or plastic. Visa hopes you choose the latter. Visa operates the world's largest consumer payment system, ahead of MasterCard and American Express, of which I also like American Express. But American Express does have credit exposure. 1.7 billion credit and other payments in circulation. It licenses the visa's name to its member institutions. I think the company needs to downsize. I think they're getting a little bit bloated. They need to fire some employees. 
but they're trying to stay ahead of competition. They issue market. They do the Visa Net payment systems, provide authorization, processing, and settlement. Visa's network connects thousands of financial institutions around the world. Think of it as a toll road, if that helps you. Ticker symbol on Visa is V. Ticker symbol on MasterCard is MC. Ticker symbol on American Express is AMX. They're a play on people like me. I hate cash. I hate going to an ATM and getting cash. I hate paper checks. I hate everything. I just hate. I hate the girls from Sex and the City. I hate annuities. I hate old people who don't pay taxes. I hate people who don't spend money. I hate. I'm a big hater. Um, so this is recently kind of turned over and started moving towards lows of the day. I'm not that guy. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, no, what do you do with Visa now? It's got a high valuation. And you know what? I'm okay having, like, a, a year of underperformance as long as I have two years of outperformance. This is a tough stock to like because it's expensive. It's a tough stock to like because a lot of people see economic slowdown worldwide would hurt them. Profit margins at 20%. I love it. Operating margins, 59%. I love it. Return on equity, 7 almost 8%. I hate it. That's why I think they need to fire some people. They need to get rid of those weaker hands, so to speak, at the building. As far as other issues to think about, let me see if I can pull anything that's relevant for you. Because I do like the questions. Not a big fan of the millennials. I'm all for firing millennials right now. I'm in my angry mode. Let's see. Um, nice follow-through. Recent 52-week highs in early January. Visa price target 170 at Barclays. 575 for MasterCard. Barclays continues like Visa MasterCard. They expect both stocks to be relative outperformers with strong earnings per share growth driven by relatively resilient spending volume and transaction metrics. Greater level of share repurchases versus prior years. Um, Visa's got more favorable revenue, product, and geographic exposure. MasterCard has similar opportunity long-term. MasterCard has better upside from a stock perspective given its smaller size, geographic positioning, and margin expansion opportunities. MasterCard's a little bit of a problem in Europe. China Union Pay is going to introduce an international division to speed up expansion of electronic payments to compete with Visa. MasterCard, PayPal, you get the idea. So maybe they don't win in in, uh, China. We'll see. We'll see. It's way too early to even talk about that. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. China-backed payment processor to accelerate global expansion, UnionPay. Wow. Move underscores UnionPay's growing global ambitions and follows a World Trade Organization ruling that China discriminates against foreign credit card companies by favoring UnionPay in the home market. 70 million Chinese traveled overseas in 2011, up 22% from a year earlier. UnionPay has already formed partnerships with groups such as HSBC and National Australia Bank to promote its cards in other countries. Visa and MasterCard wants China to open their domestic card market. 
Hey, everyone. I'm working hard for you. You work hard for me. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Rob at robblack.com. Facebook me, group page, I hate Rob Black. Facebook fan me, Rob Channel 4, Rob Black. Channel 4, Rob Black. Tweet me, Rob Black Show. All one word, Rob Black Show. And spread the word about the show. Come out to our Black Wednesdays. Come out to our seminars. Seminars are charitable events. All the money goes to charity. It's typically five or six bucks just to kind of weed out the riffraff. You can find out more at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Anything you just want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and much, much more. A lot of people think that I get all angry. I really don't. Kind of a peaceful, loving, easy kind of guy. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Stocks are declining amidst over debt ceiling talks. Will we go over? Will we not go over? They're calling it kind of like a fiscal pothole now versus a fiscal cliff. The recovery of the United States is saving 8 million underwater homeowners. So as the economy improves, so does people's ability to pay back what they borrowed. So does the ability to say, you know what, the house isn't as underwater anymore. Maybe I'll stay. Household wealth, consumer confidence creates more credit into the economy. It's kind of nice the way that plays out. With that said, let's not get too crazy. Anyhow, what else do we have to chit-chat about? I think there's a big shift in consumer spending that we have to focus in on. I think the future of brick and mortar is something we have to have a sense of urgency about when we think about. I think the idea of me opening up a retail store is pretty scary. The idea of me opening up a bar, cigar bar, or something like that, a little bit easier to like digest. Social, digital, mobile, all fundamentally changing the way consumers buy things. Most companies know this, but they're slow to act. A lot of retailers have no choice now but to play catch-up. It's race against the clock. I love things like retailers that, if you like them, they give you things. Like them on Facebook, and they give you things. If you sign up for a loyalty program at La Boulange, you buy one cup of coffee, they give you a free loaf of bread. One cup of coffee a month, and you get a free loaf every month. Theory, you're going in twice, and that's what they want. I don't think we've ever lived in a time where there's been such a low level of trust in companies. 
and such an ability to be wired. I'm even at the point now where I, I look at, and this is embarrassing to admit, but like when I go to Amazon, I will absolutely positively look two, three, four, five times at the reviews. That, that impresses me. Amazon to play on search. Because I used to go to Google and say, search uh, ski gloves. And I'd see what ski gloves came up, and too much information came up. And then Google has a website called Frugal that very few people know about, but it's a little bit more retail-oriented. But Amazon, I know that when I go there, if I see 1,400 skiers have bought ski gloves that like them, or if I see 12 that they all have excellent, I'd rather go with the 1,400 that like versus 12 that are excellent. You with me against me? Because this is the Civil War. Choose a side. So what's working right now, automakers and home builders, and select stories. Not all stocks are meant to be at a 52-week high all the time. That's a ridiculous notion. Apple's being broken down. Tuesday, they're going to put up or shut up. We'll see what they have to say. Then we start waiting for their next product announcement. Will it be enough? If I could invest in Oprah, I'd invest in Oprah because, boy, she's crowing right now about getting Lance Armstrong to, to fess up. I think Lance Armstrong should be put in prison. I think he, all of his wealth that he created should be given back. With that said, he helped a lot of kids in cancer wards. I can't hold everything against him, right? But lying should not be rewarded in this society. In my opinion, he intimidated a woman who was his masseuse. He called her a whore. He called her a prostitute. When she came out with allegations saying that she was forced to carry the drugs across borders, if she doesn't get a I'm sorry directly to her, I cannot forgive him because he's ruined her. There's a married couple that he basically said was jealous of him. They deserve a flat-out I'm sorry. I was wrong. If he's doing this to get in the good graces so he can get on speaking to her again, it's pathetic. Driverless cars are going to become coming showrooms by 2020. So it says Nissan's Carlos Ghosn. I love the concept. Can you imagine having a kid who goes to a party, gets liquored up, and instead of driving home and dying, he does the auto drive home? There's going to be a lot of marketing that has to happen here, and there's going to be some car crashes that people freak out about. Was it the car? Was it the person? Even so, our cars are getting safer and safer and safer, and to me, I'm enthusiastic about that. To get your calls in there, it's 800-516-1220. Millennials, the rising superpower in America, counting approximately 80% of citizens between the age of 18 and 34. They're turning out to be deluded. They're deluded narcissists. Their parents were too kind to them. They never let them lose a soccer game. A lot of members of that generation are self-involved. Most everyone in every generation is self-involved, but they are deluded and narcissistic. And I can't deny it. It's going to be interesting to see how that generation plays out. Zuck generation. Hey, big announcement coming up from Facebook in about two hours. 
Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.